Moshe Rabbeinu makes an ultimatum. He tells the Kaddish Baruch Hu that if you forgive the Jewish people, then that's great. And if not, this is the famous heroic demand of Moshe Rabbeinu that if you don't, then... So it's interesting from a literary standpoint that this Pasuk has a lot of words missing. If you forgive them, then what will happen? doesn't say. And if you don't, So the Pasuk is missing words. Rashi calls it a mikra katzah. Why is it missing words? Because Moshe is trying to get himself out of the Torah. Moshe is saying, if you don't forgive them, then I don't want to be in the Torah. So even when he says this to Hashem, he speaks in half sentences. Hashem, I don't, I feel like without Am Yisrael, I can't be in the Torah. And even when I'm delivering that message to you, I'm already taking my words out of the Torah. So the Mikra Katzer is a literary device to reinforce what Moshe is conveying to Hashem. That's just interesting in Rashi. He calls it a Mikra Katzer. But when Rashi explains Moshe's ultimatum, he explains what Moshe said. He said, Shalom Yomru Alai. I don't want people to say, Shalom Hayiti Kedai Levake Shalom Rachamim. That you threaten them with elimination. And I don't want people to think that I wasn't the person who felt compassion, who felt pity, who felt mercy towards Am Yisrael. So I, I don't want people to say, it's not that he's afraid of what people slandering him, but he, he can't imagine a world in which he's responsible and he's the agent of delivering Torah but he's not also an agent of rachamim and mercy. So the whole notion that, okay, let's go ahead with the Torah, annihilate these people, choose a new people, I'll teach them the Torah, punish the, the sinners. Without the foundation of rachamim, the Torah can't be a Torah for Moshe Rabbeinu. So if I'm not gonna, Moshe's point a catch 22. If I don't have the rachamim that I'm asking you accepted, then the entire platform of Torah, which is supposed to be rachamim b'chesed v'shalom, has been canceled. So it's not as if he's putting a gun, so to speak, to Kodesh Baruch Hu's head and saying, if you don't, well, we have to stand because they're opening the iron. If you don't, if you don't forgive them, then I'm, I'm out. It's that without forgiving them, that I'm not an agent of Rachamim. Without an agent of Rachamim, then I don't feel that your Torah, because your Torah is teaching us your ways, and your ways are the ways of Rachamim and Chesed and Shalom. Olam. And Hashem says, okay, you know what your reward is? I'll teach you the real Yud Gilmi is the Rachamim. This isn't a reward, it's a result. Now that you've intuited, the real platform is not theological, the real platform is Avram discovered as a platform of Chesed. Now, I'm going to show you Yud Gilmi does. That's a fascinating Rashi. We don't always read the Rashi that quickly. Okay, another interesting Rashi. I put a couple footnotes here. Okay, um, let's start with this Rashi. We'll go back a little bit. Okay, Masiyelokim Hema. What does it mean? The Luchos were Masiyelokim. They were crafted by Hashem. That's the literal reading. That's what Rashi's first shot is. Second shot in Masiyelokim is Ki Adam Homer Lechavero Kol Asakav. That this is his masterpiece. This is what he has invested all of his art, all of his wisdom in. It's not just that I uh, I made dinner for you. I made dinner for you. I put it in the oven and it comes out. But this is something I've worked on my whole life. A magnum opus. My primary effort. All of my wisdom. All of my effort. All of my concern. As a person says, call all of that person's investment and art and skill are in the following product. So Masi Elohim reminds us that the Torah is the approximation of the Torah. So this is probably the most clear word in the Torah that defines Torah as the will of Hashem. Because I'll talk about it, but you don't really have anywhere else in the Torah where Torah self-comments that is the will of Hashem. But here the Torah is actually calling the Luchos Masi Elohim. According to the first shot is Hashem's craft work. 
The second shot is all of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's not spirit or essence, because it's hard to use when it's about Hashem, but all of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Chachma is embedded within the Torah. It's an, it's an important phrase that conveys a very powerful concept. We don't really see that phrase anywhere else. Okay, another interesting phrase. That Moshe breaks the Lufos, Tacha Sahar. Vayishbar, vayashlech miyadav esaluchos, vayishaber osam, Tacha Sahar. Now what does Tacha Sahar literally mean? Underneath the mountain. I mean, the mountain would be hovering above it. The mountain wasn't hovering above it. It should be Liyadahar. So Rashi says, Laragliyahar. It doesn't mean Tachasahar. No one's standing under any mountains. But it's underneath in the non-literal sense. By the entry to the mountains. Laragliyahar, Rashi says, not Tachasahar. So what is Rashi trying to convey? So the answer is that, in part, first of all, that Moshe, unlike the movie, was not standing on the mountain. Moshe comes down from the mountain, comes to the camp with Yoshua, sees what he sees, and then breaks the luchos. It's not that he's standing on the mountain and throws the luchos down. So evidently he's turning away from the people because he doesn't want to break it in front of them and he throws it back at the mountain. So this concept that he takes the luchos and throws it at them and breaks it over their heads like a wrestling match. It's not, it's not much. It's not a chair match. He's hitting them with the chair with the luchos. He's turning his back to them and he's throwing it back to the mountain. But the Tachasahar essentially is a shout out to Harsinai. And then Harsinai, Tachasahar, Barbarej, that's the phraseology used in Parshas Yisrael. And that's the phraseology used in Beshanan to describe Harsinai, which was a supernatural event where the Mount of Elias going to Chazal was really levitating in there, Kafal and Harkigigas. Even if it wasn't levitating, it was certainly something otherworldly and supernatural. So this word Tachasahar, even though it's not literal, he didn't stand under the mountain, is, is ironic. It's pouring salt in the room. We're still at Harsinai. We're still in the wake of Tacha Sahar, and Moshe is breaking the Luchos because of Am Yisrael's Chet. So Tacha Sahar is reminding us how tragic and how uh, disgusting and repulsive this Chet was, that it was still in a state of Tacha Sahar. The final Rashi is when, um, when Moshe sees what happened to Aaron, he says a very interesting phrase. Vayar Moshe Sa'am Kifarohu, the nation was very wild and chaotic. Kifarohu Aaron, because Aaron had led to some of this unraveling. Lashimtza Bekamehem. Very interesting phrase. What does Lashimtza Bekamehem? The literal meaning is something embarrassing and something awful Bekamehem in their risers, people that stand. So what does it mean, Lashimtza Bekamehem? So Rashi interprets, Lios Lahem Hadavar Hazel Lignus Befi Kol Hakamim Alehem. All their enemies will use this to scorn them and to mock them. Shinsa means gnus, it's something ugly and embarrassing. Bisonehem, not kamehem, those who stand, but those who will attack us. What does this mean? Well, the Egel sets a pattern in history that has been adopted by all of our enemies. What's that pattern? The Jewish people sinned, and because of their sin, they betrayed Hashem. Because of their betrayal, Hashem abandoned them, Hashem discarded them. They're no longer the original chosen people. The Israelites were chosen, were uh, uh, basically uh, forfeited by Hashem. Hashem chose Christians, Hashem chose Muslims. Like every major religion has agreed that we were chosen, but has pointed to various sins in Jewish history as the reason for Hashem discarding us and choosing another. And the ego was the first time. And that's why, if you look, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit later. The Mishkan is called Mishkan Aidus, that part of the Mishkan's construction is to debunk those notions that even after we sin, HaKadosh Baruch Hu still chose us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu still rules Hashkina amongst us. But Moshe is already realizing how history is going to unfold. That things like the Egel, not just the Egel, but the first base of Mikdash destruction and the second base of Mikdash destruction, and everything that will be applied throughout history as a cause, or something to justify why, so to speak, Hashem discarded us, this starts with the Egel, and it will be the Shimtza 
Bekameyam, especially this, because this wasn't just a sin, this was Avodah And our primary message at this stage in history was to debunk Avodah Zarah, that you shouldn't worship anything physical. That was the entire purpose of Harsinai. Now that we are worshiping something physical, people will say, well, you can't be Hashem's children if you're committing. As I'll say that after the first Beis HaMikdash, Ammon and Moab, they ran into the Beis HaMikdash with Babel, and they grabbed the Kruven. Why would Ammon and Moab grab the Kruven? They paraded the Kruven in the streets of the ancient Mediterranean city, saying, look, the Jews have been telling us for thousands of years not to worship idols. Look at these Kruven, they worship idols. We don't worship Kruven, it's just part of the ornate decorations of the Beis HaMikdash. But part of deflecting messages is accusing the messenger of hypocrisy. So if you can just say, oh, those Jewish people, they're idol worshippers. Oh, those Jewish people, they're running an apartheid state, they're killing babies. Oh, those Jewish people, they're oppressing the people. So you don't have to follow moral challenges that, you, that others provide for you. So three or four interesting Rashi's. You know, one is the Ragal Yahar, Tach Sahar, the Pasuk says Tach Sahar, the Torah was invested with all the Kodesh Baruch Hu's Chachma. The Shimtza become a hand as our enemies will use this to scorn us and to mock us. In the first Rosh Hashanah, we talked about Moshe says, Bechenina Misifrucha, quotes the 